like when you're not looking at the back of my head or my right ear at the piano. I'm very happy to have been the interim choir director here with our wonderful chancel choir. Today, you will participate with the choir anthem in a very fun and simple way. Uh, we're going to sing an anthem, uh, a, a very ancient carol, Lo, How a Rose. Jesus is the Rose of Sharon. And <clears throat> we will sing three verses. The choir will sing the first two verses. There'll be a quartet that will sing verse three. And then you will hear an interlude by Carol on the piano, at which time I will turn around and I will raise my arms. I'm hoping you will stand and we will reprise verse one. All of these words are in your insert so you can see where we are there uh, as we go through the song. I believe the verse you're singing is the last three lines, but you can track that. And please join us in the special moment of worship today on our first Sunday of Advent.
Very nice. Our scripture lesson for today is Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14, 15, and 16. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, choir, for the beautiful rendition of that song. Your voices are angelic, and you sounded amazing when you were singing with them. Thank you to Pastor Andy for giving me the privilege of speaking in this beautiful church to you beautiful people and those who may be watching on YouTube or will watch later. I know you didn't come to hear a speech, and I don't want to give one. You come to church for the same reason I do, to find encouragement, to see how the Word of God can impact our life in a positive way. So if you will join me for a moment of silent prayer before I begin, that we may center our minds and prayers on God. Amen. My first childhood memory of Christmas was unforgettable, and I treasure it to this day. My father on Christmas Eve, I won't say what year, it was before a lot of you were born, I'm sure. My father on Christmas Eve and I took me out, we lived in Columbus. He held me in his arms, and later I found out he was looking north. I didn't know that at this time, but held me in his arms. He looked north, and he looked up. You see, you see Santa in his sleigh up there. You see that bright, bright light. And I looked. Oh, yes, Daddy, I see. I see Santa. It was so awesome. The first time ever I had seen Santa in his sleigh. Now, I couldn't make out the sleigh. But I could see the bright light that he must have had on that sleigh so he could see where he was going. Never forget that. I love that. In other traditions, we would put milk and cookies on our mantle above our asbestos fireplace. (laughs) The 60s were a great year, decade. And when I would wake up in the morning, our large family, five kids, The milk was gone and there was a bite out of the cookie and I would just look. That's Santa's mouth. Just amazing. And the insomnia. Oh, the insomnia. The first time I discovered insomnia. You discover a lot more when you get older. But as a kid, trying to get to sleep on Christmas Eve. But there's another side of Christmas, isn't it? There's an unpeaceful side, a painful side, a sad side, an anxiety side, because we all don't experience Christmas, Advent, in the same ways. 
And we don't experience it in the same ways because we have different narratives or stories in our lives, and those narratives and stories inform how we feel about things. And so, for some, Christmas is not a good time, and and I'm glad that Stephen Ministry is having the uh, Blue Christmas service because it's not a good time for some. For some, it's a reminder of trauma and loss and pain and disconnection. Each of us celebrate our own traditions based upon our narrative and our story, and that's what connects, uh, that's what we connect to Christmas. But my question is, what connects Christmas to us? No matter what your narrative or story is, no matter how you feel about the holidays, good or bad, hectic or not hectic, dreading it or loving it, What connects you and I to Christmas? Why should we care about the Advent story? Why should we care about this ancient messianic prophecy? And what difference would it make anyway? That's what I want to talk about. Advent is necessary because of the Garden of Eden and the sin that occurred there that threw all of humanity into sin that created a permanent disconnection with God and a disconnection with people. We have to work at having healthy connections to people, right? Whether it's in a marriage, in a church, with friends, with co-workers. We have to work at maintaining connections. It doesn't come automatic. And we're born disconnected from God. So we needed Advent. Advent is a very simple narrative. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God in the flesh coming down. Now this leads me to this messianic prophecy in the book of Jeremiah. There's a lot of prophets in the Bible. Jeremiah we know more about than any other prophet. And he had a terrible task. If you're a preacher, you never want his job. Because his task, there had been many prophets and Israel had not listened to them and they had a civil war, and the kingdom split, and the northern kingdom had already gone into captivity. The southern kingdom, which was smaller, and Jerusalem was the headquarter, the, the capital, was still viable, but now it was going to go into captivity. They were going to lose everything. And God told Jeremiah, I want you to give him this message. And the message is, you're going to be judged. And there's nothing you do about it because my judgment's coming because you didn't listen. No wonder they tried to kill him a couple times when you read through this. So in the context of this heavy message to a country that was going to captivity and Jeremiah went into captivity as well and died in captivity. And this, it, this message, there is this prophecy stuck into this message and it's the prophecy that Julie read. It's a messianic prophecy. So what are the empowering connections of Advent found in this Messianic prophecy? How might it help us to have and experience the peace of Advent? I want to share what I discovered because it really helps me and I hope that it will will help you. We can have peace at Advent because God keeps His promises. Do you see the first thing he says in verse 14? 
I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken. God keeps His word. God never lies. Everything God has ever said has been true, has happened, or will happen. But it's hard to trust once you've been betrayed, right? I've spent my life as a pastor, an Air Force chaplain, and now as a veteran affairs chaplain. I've talked to thousands, I'm sure, of people in my life, and many have struggled with betrayal, and they have struggled with their faith in God and peace because they've been betrayed. They were betrayed by a family member, betrayed by the church. Some felt they were betrayed by their country, or they felt they betrayed themselves by their actions. Some feel they've been betrayed by God. But the message of Advent which is proven by the coming of Jesus Christ is God keeps His Word and we can have peace because God keeps His promise. God's promises are always good. They're always true. They're always empowering. They're always helpful. God keeps His promise. Now, you and I do not have to understand the traumas in our life, the struggles in our life, the pain in our life. We don't have to understand why that is there in order to trust a loving God who keeps His promises. That's the message of Advent. Number two, we can have peace because Advent enables us to do right and to be just. Isn't that the things that are most important? Live right and and to uh, to be just with others? This is how the prophecy worded it. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the earth. Advent is very egalitarian. Have you noticed John 3.16? For God so loved the world that... What's that word? Whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Mm, We struggle with that whosoever. (laughs) Don't you wish they didn't put that one in? Whosoever. We struggle with that one. We are divided in so many groups. We're divided by clan. We're divided by ethnicity. We're divided by religion. We're divided by politics. We're divided by gender. We're divided by church. We're divided by age. We're divided by Fox versus CNN. We're divided by gun versus no gun. We're divided by mask versus no mask. We're divided by vaccine versus no vaccine. So many divisions. But as post-Advent Christians... We must transcend our groups. Whatever groups you are in, we must transcend them. Jesus only had two groups. You know that? Jesus only had two groups. The lost sheep and the found sheep. Those who enter the wide way to destruction and those who enter the narrow way to life. Those who answer the knock of Jesus on their heart and those who refuse to answer. Those he loved and found who found him and those he loved who have not found him. Those who say, I believe, help my unbelief. And those who have not. If you belong to Christ, we are family. If you belong to Christ, we are family. Regardless of whatever any other group you belong in. Whether you're in my groups or not. Whether you vote like me or not. 
whether you worship like me or not, whether you dress like me or not, whether you're educated or not. We are family. And if you are in the other group, the family of God, we don't hate you at all. We love you. We want you in our family. That's what Advent is about. To bring people from the one group, the lost sheep, into the found sheep. Because when we're in the found sheep, we find the peace of God. What does the scripture say? They will know. What did Jesus say? They will know you are my disciples if you think like me, if you agree with my arguments, if you give me a lot of likes on Facebook. They will know you are my disciples if you what? What? Love. Love one another. It's not complicated, but it's difficult without the faith of Christ. This is the power of Advent. Loving others and God bring justice and righteousness. That is our peace because as we follow the Christ who brought this, it becomes a reality in us. And third, We can have peace because Jesus is our righteousness. I love this so much. I get so excited when I see this. The Lord is our righteousness. He doesn't say, I, I love how it's word, not makes righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. Let me ask you a question. This is rhetorical, so don't anyone answer, okay? I know you want to answer. What can you do to be more righteous? What can you do to be more righteous? Well, let me answer it by asking this. What can a baby do to be more loved? The baby wakes you up and keeps you up half the night. The baby cries. The baby is rude. The baby messes its diaper. The baby is 24-7. The baby doesn't say, I love you. Why do you love that baby? Because that baby, she's yours. Whether you gave birth to that baby or as in our family we adopted a baby, that baby is ours. What can we do to be more righteous? The law of love lifts us from crippling traditions that hurt us. I mean, who has more peace, Ebenezer Scrooge or Bob Cratchit? You know the answer to that. We live in a competitive society, but it's, and I know now. I know if people are watching, if there's any young people watching on YouTube, they're going to shut me off right now. I know. But don't shut me off. We live in a competitive society because I'm going to sound like an old fogey. I don't want to be an old fogey. But we're social media, all the social media things, uh, Snapface and Facebook, you know, TikTok, all the face, 
all the media, I don't even, you know what they are. I can't keep them straight. But I do know this, that, that, that many of us build our lives around, around this, this competition and, and how many likes I posted something, I only have five likes. Or I posted, oh, I got some thumbs down. Or, oh, I've been, what do you call it, defriended from a platform? Because you said something, whatever. But, so we have real-time feedback from people now because of social media. And not just those things, but on the internet. You can post anything on articles you read, and some of them are vile. That's what anonymity creates. And it creates a f- this, this feeling often that, 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 oh, I'm missing something or I'm not enough. But Advent screams, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I saw this when I traveled through East Africa in the Air Force. And I was in poor villages without running water, without, you wouldn't have, <laughs> it was like going back in centuries in time. And I saw many Christians who loved Jesus, who had almost nothing, but Jesus is enough. And if Jesus is enough, let me tell you this, I got good news. If Jesus is enough, we are enough. I have to say that every time I go to band practice, I'm the worst clarinet player in the band because I've only played for five years. Everyone plays so much better. I say, I'm enough. I'm doing the best I can. Remember that, director. I know. (laughs) If Jesus is enough, we are enough. Let's rest in that. That brings our peace. Advent is the one act in history, if you believe nothing else, that proves the love of God for humanity. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Makes relationships right. You've heard of this fellow, haven't you? Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Poet. I love poetry. He's an author. He lived during the Civil War. I want to tell you something you may not know. He fell in a deep depression in 1861. That was the year, really, the Civil War began, but he fell in a deep depression because his wife, who was sealing envelopes with hot wax, you know, there was no glue back then. wasn't invented that I know of. Sealing envelopes with hot wax, the flame by the, of the candle caught her clothes on fire. She was engulfed in flame. Henry tried to put her out. She was burned, her whole body. She died the next day. He was burned badly. He couldn't even go to her funeral. 18 years they had been married. Devastated. That's why he grew the beard to hide the scars. You see pictures, he has a beard. The next Christmas in 1862, he recorded in his journal, a Merry Christmas, say the children, But that is no more for me. He had lost all peace. And then the next year, 1863, he was a staunch abolitionist and his his son Charlie wanted to join the army, the northern army, and he didn't want him to go, but he went anyway. And Charlie got grievously wounded. And it was at Christmas that he found this out. 
And he was devastated. He didn't know if his son would live or die. He'd lost his peace. He lost his hope. He lost his wife. He's losing his country to a civil war. Christmas Day by himself. He heard a church bell ringing, ringing on Christmas Day. And he was so moved, he wrote a poem. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiars carol play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world Revolve from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then the last verse, this is what I love the most. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. He found the hope of Advent again. That is our hope. Jesus, God in the flesh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Please turn in your hymnals. Number 203, if it's my memory is correct. Yes, 203, and please stand.
May you go forth experiencing the peace of Christ and may this be the best Advent season you have ever had. Amen. Now please be seated during the choir benedict, choral benediction and then exit after the choir. Thank you.